You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Welcome back to another episode of the Liberty Ballers Podcast Network. My name is Dave Early. Today we have a really fun show. The Sixers on NBA draft night, they swung a trade with their number 23 overall pick. And a lot of fans have been wondering where exactly does the cap situation stand? What's going to happen with James Harden's contract? What size exceptions can they get? Can they get a $10 million mid-level exception, a $6 million? We're going to get into all that stuff with someone who's one of the best people imaginable that you can talk to from a Sixer standpoint because he knows the cap inside and out. He writes about it. Um, you can follow his work. He is a Bleacher Report senior quality editor, the NBA pod co-host, a contributor for Forbes Sports and fan-sided, Brian Toporek. And we're going to have him on and talk about all things Sixers and where the cap stands now heading into the end of June as James Harden has that massive option that he can pick up, which we think he will, and what that'll mean and all the other things, including Danny Green. So plenty to unpack in this pod. Hope you enjoy. How you doing, Brian? I'm doing well. How are you, Dave? Good. I, I know we just had you on the Liberty Ballers Podcast Network, right? But because it was draft night and because now everyone's mind is racing with where are we now, I thought <laughs> it was important to get you back and explain what, what the situation is now. Um, what, were your, what were your general impressions of draft night before we jump into it? Did you, uh, did you have fun? Were there any teams that jumped out at you? Were you surprised? Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, the the magic swerving every major newsbreaker and taking Paolo Banquero number one after a, a steady drumbeat of Jabari Smith, Jabari Smith, Jabari Smith was fun. Uh, Vegas always knows, as we learned this week. Um, How do really they know? Like, do they have their own, like, Woj and we just don't even know their names? I mean, the the benevolent explanation and one that I've seen the betting markets try to go with is, you know, the, the odds were like too long on Boncaro. So some people just put money down and that caused the odds to swing. The sinister explanation is that someone with actual knowledge of the decision made a big enough bet to make a, a ton of money on, on it. So I don't know which one it is, but it does feel like a slippery slope to, for something that like very well could be preordained to be bet on, but hey. Have, has there uh, ever been like an amazing like ha, imagine if shams one day was just no longer in sports whatsoever would you wonder if maybe he's kind of working for vegas or something right he's just he made a ton of money if they, that's maybe why they don't have free agency odds because yeah. shams and Woj would just make i mean god they're making millions already hopefully they are not risking their careers to go bet on stuff that they are like insider trading with shams and Woj. Yeah, if I were Caesar's Casino, I'd call Jake Fisher and be like, so. Yeah. <laughs> um, all right. What about the Sixers? So how did you learn? Were you following along? Were you letting your phone spoil everything? Or were you watching on TV? I was doing both. So I was watching on TV, but like watching on Twitter too, especially as it got closer to the Sixers pick. Um, 
because I had a feeling, I mean, I, I, you know, the TV broadcast, it's like 10 minutes late where they're like, oh, by the way, this is actually Memphis's pick now. Yes. <laughs> I, okay, cool. Thanks for the information. Like, oh, I thought the Sixers took David Roddy at 23. Uh, no. So I, I've, I've always been like a Twitter draft person. Um, cause I just, you know, I, I want to know right away. And especially for last night, knowing that they didn't have a second round pick, it was like, all right, once they get off 23, like we can get to writing here. Yeah. Yeah. I was, I was a couple picks behind and every once in a while I would get surprised expecting them to say like sharp and then they're still on pick five. And I'm like, all oh, right. Yeah. Um, <laughs> right, right, right. I had, a, I had a hard time with that. But I guess the Sixers did something that was pretty interesting in that they traded Danny Green being guaranteed his money. So first of all, happy for Green. Would have yes. been would have felt awful like crossing the finish line of your marathon and and then you hurt your knee and you don't get that money. Did this work out in the Sixers' favor or are there arguments to be made that this could have worked out better for them had they waived him? What's your opinion on Green getting his money as part of this deal bringing in DeAnthony Melton? Yeah, I mean, it all depends on what James Harden does, um, which I feel like I've said a million times this offseason, so I've only got one more week to say it. But based on the reporting that Jake Fisher, uh, I think Brian Windhorst, I think Woj has said this now too, that you know, Harden is likely to opt in and then we'll probably sign a short-term extension on top of that. That aspect doesn't matter. The opt-in is what mattered. Um, with that in mind, it would have been tricky for them to get to the non-taxpayer mid-level exception, which is about $10.3 million this year. Um, you know, the easiest path for them to get it was him opting out and taking a couple million less than his max salary, which as a free agent, he can earn 46.5 million. Um, he could have earned up to 42.7 and they would have had full non-taxpayer and full biannual exception. So knowing that he was likely to opt in, they still, even if they had kept 23 and he opted in, they still would have had like $9.7 million under the apron, which is the line that you cannot cross if you use the non-taxpayer mid-level or the biannual or get a guy in a sign and trade. So like hypothetically, they still could have done this, you know, the three year $30 million deal that's rumored for PJ Tucker. Um, now having traded for Melton, it becomes even more difficult for them to get to that line. I'm not saying impossible. I think there are ways for them to do it, but I am going to just based on how the sheet is set up right now, I am operating under the assumption they are just going to have the taxpayer mid-level and free agency, and they'll probably spend that on one guy, could bring one guy in on a veteran minimum, and that's going to be the offseason. So I think, you know, you have to weigh, like, what would have been better, Melton and the guy they get on the TMLE or just whoever they spent, you know, non-tax MLE on or if they had access to the biannual, non-tax and biannual. It's hard to say right now without seeing, you know, what prices guys go for next week. But given how well I expect Melton to fit on this team, I'm I'm leaning toward the path they chose. Yeah, there's so many moving parts that it's difficult to understand. You brought up a couple of guys that have been trending. So does this basically put the kibosh on Eric Gordon, if not 100% on Tucker? I'm never going to say never because I don't want to doubt Daryl Moore. It would be very hard 
for them to just cobble together the salaries alone to match an Eric Gordon or Eric Gordon trade. Like I, again, I, I don't want to doubt Maury. He might have something up his sleeve, but like, I think it would basically mean they have to trade Tobias Harris and they're getting Gordon back and probably one other piece as well. Um, I don't know if that's on the table or not, but I would, especially because Melton, I think is going to play a similar role to what they would have brought Gordon in for. I, I would be surprised if they go for that. Although I know Keith Pompey of the Philadelphia Inquirer reported after the draft, they're still reportedly after Gordon. So we'll, we'll see there. That would surprise me Um, with Tucker, you know, I, Given the reports from Chris Haynes of Yahoo Sports that multiple teams are ready to offer, he he said the full mid-level exception, which I'm interpreting to mean the non-taxpayer mid-level exception. Um, If that is true, again, like the Sixers right now added salary last night, uh, you know, the cap hit for the 23 pick would have been 2.5 million. Melton's at 8.3 almost this year, 8.25. So they added, you know, 5.75 million in salary, uh, which pushes them closer to the apron. So even, you know, remove like with 13 guys under contract right now, they are at, you know, assuming uh, Harden opts in, they're at 151.7. I've got the apron coming in at about 155.7. So they're like just under 4 million below the apron right now. They'd have to cut significant salary to get there. I think the if they are going that route, the most logical or easiest way to do it is trading Tobias for another big slash bad contract, whether it's Gordon <laughs> Hayward or contract. Kevin Love. Yeah. Um, like I and then I think you have to ask yourself, you know, what again it comes similar question with like Melton and uh what's better, like Gordon Hayward and PJ Tucker or Tobias Harris and whoever they get for the taxpayer mid level. Yeah, some difficult questions. What what is the way where they could spend the most possible money? Could they trade Tobias for things that cost more than Harris himself and just obliterate the apron? Sure. If they if they want to go that route, if they want to rack up more of a luxury tax bill. Um the, the thing with a Tobias trade for me, I understand like his production is never going to live up to the size of his contract. And I can get the frustration of that. Uh, but I mean, he's still the best slash only two way forward on the roster right now. So if you're trying to trade him like safe for Eric Gordon and you're not bringing at least one wing back, it just feels to me like you're creating more problems than you're solving. And I think given Maxi's probably quicker than expected emergence into starter caliber, high-end starter, if not potential all-star in the future, you know, having him on that cheap rookie contract for two more years, if you can just like Jedi mind trick yourself into saying, okay, the Sixers are paying the combination of Tobias Harris and Tyrese Maxey, no, get like a little more than $40 million next year and just forget how it's split up. You no, know, the production they're getting out of those two guys is going to be well worth 40 million. So I, I'm I'm not going to completely rule out a Tobias trade, especially if they do want the non-tax MLE, because I think that is the most 
likely path to get it. Um, but again, I think barring any major surprise, I think they probably just go in, try to get someone with the TMLE. And I think there are going to be some potentially attractive targets there as well. Yeah. I like that Jedi mind trick reminds me of when the worst player in your fantasy league, like takes a kicker in round one, but then he hits a home <laughs> run on his last pick and you're like, well, kind of a wash. <laughs> right. right. Exactly. Um, is there an incentive now? I know that we heard the Portland trailblazers were interested in Matisse Thibel, but not necessarily as part of a three-way deal, helping them get Gordon. Do you think that could still be the case? Uh, Tom Moore reported basically like the Sixers aren't trading to trim salary to open up a non-tax MLE, but might they continue to shop Dybul and maybe even Korkmaz because you could get something back and open up money? Yeah, I mean, it would have to be, even if you like salary dump Korkmaz, Yang, and Thibel for minimum salary guys, at least based on the math I was doing, they're still over the apron. So I that's why I think that Tobias trade is the most likely way to get the NT, NTMLE because otherwise... Can you just, just say 10 million or 6 million for me? <laughs> yeah, okay, sorry. The, the 10 million one. Okay, um, yeah, yeah. Otherwise, I have to decode yeah. the letters. Yeah, yeah, I got you. I got you. All right, yeah. The, the bigger one, uh, the 10 million one. Yeah, so I, I guess it's possible. I mean, for Portland, I don't know. Like, maybe even again, if you, you trade Matisse for like a future first round pick, let's say. You know, the, the minimum salary for next season for a guy with two years of experience is 1.8 million. Matisse is making about 4.4. So you trade Matisse for a future pick. You're still going to have to replace him with a minimum salary guy. So you, you trim 2.6 million. Like, I, I don't know that the upside of that outweighs what Matisse can bring to the table next year. I know a lot of Sixers people are... The Sixers fans are out on Matisse, but you know, I would personally, barring like a, a blockbuster offer for him, which I do not think is coming, like I wouldn't trade him just for a future first, I don't think, if if the incentive is to create cap room. You know, if it's Portland, the only move that really makes sense to me, like Nasir Little or Keon Johnson, I guess, but yeah especially for Keon, like at least Matisse is going to play like doc might not want to play him in the playoffs, but he's going to play on the regular season. Like I, I can't imagine Keon Johnson getting many minutes uh, from doc rivers and they, because they only have this $6 million mid-level, like they don't really have a ton of pathways to add additional rotation players. So unless you know, Isaiah Joe takes a big step forward or like shake Milton has a bounce back season. Like they, they just need as many playable wings as they can possibly get. Yeah. Daryl wasn't allowed to say much last night, but he did speak. And he, I think he basically said, we need another wing, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. So if he's, if we're not sure, but you're operating under the assumption that the $6 million exception is the one that he'd have to play with. Are there any names that come to mind that you think they might target? Or would, do you think that they would maybe break that up into a $4 million player, keep $2 million available and go into the year? They have seemed to enjoy that flexibility. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's what they broke it up last year. They spent some on George Niang. They spent some on Charles Bassey, which is allowed, is what allowed them to get him on a three-year deal. 
because otherwise, if you sign someone to a minimum, the, the most it can be is two years. Um, it's tough to say without seeing how the market unfolds. You know, I, there are, I'm going to have a list of $10 million targets going on Forbes on Saturday and then 6 million guys on Monday or guys who I think fit into both of those uh, contract ranges. So, you know, the 10 million camp, Tucker is in there. TJ Warren, I think, would be an awesome addition. High risk given the injury history, but I believe Kyle Newbeck put his name into a post, and I was like, "Record screech!" Er!" Like he doesn't. Newbeck doesn't normally just put a name out there, so I wondered, um, is there something there with Warren? Yeah, because like I mean, there aren't a ton of contenders that have the full ten million mid level. And I don't know how many of them have a starting three spot that is wide open right now. I mean, you sign whoever they sign to this deal, assuming it's a wing, you're signing them with like, hey, come in and compete with Matisse Thibel in training camp and you genuinely could win a starting job. So if, you know, TJ Warren is in that like Otto Porter and Victor Oladipo like last year where, you know, Clearly, they have a lot more upside, but both of those guys signed minimum deals uh, because of their injury history. TJ Warren, of course, has played four games over the past two seasons, so it's it's hard to say what to expect out of him. And you would probably prefer him on a min deal just to you know eliminate as much risk as possible. But he is certainly a name that I'd be interested in. Um, I you know I was listening to your pod with Jackson Frank, so a lot of these are going to be the same names that you guys covered there, but. Kyle Anderson, Bruce Brown, both in the $10 million range. Torian Prince, I assume, is going to be higher than the $6 million just because he's coming off of a bigger contract. Um, for guys in the $6 million range, Daniel House might be my favorite realistic target. Uh, he played with Harden in, in Houston, played under Maury. Um, you know, has, he, he passes the dog test. I'll, I'll, it'll be in my article, but I found... Uh, an athletic article from 2018 talking about, you know, how he's aggressive, uh, versatile defensively, can cover multiple positions, can knock down three pointers as well. So, you know, he's probably my favorite realistic target. Cause I don't, I don't know if Otto Porter is realistic. Um, Gary Harris would have made more sense before the Melton deal, I think. Uh, but I'd be looking more for like a three, four than a two, three. Um, Trying to think who else. Oh, uh, Caleb Martin from the Heat. You know, I think part of my hope with all this PJ Tucker stuff was that the the Sixers were actually just trying to drive up the price on Tucker, make the Heat have to retain him via the ten million dollar mid level. Yeah, of, I'm sure they don't mind if we don't get him. At least now you have to pay him the full whatever they can offer. Right. Yeah, because they can they can get him. They have non bird rights on him, so they can re-sign him at 8.4 million yeah. with that and still have the mid-level. But if they go more than that, they have to use the mid-level. So if you do that and then lose Caleb Martin to the Sixers, that, that would be pretty great. Um, Nick Batum sounds like he's going back to the Clippers, but I'd at least place a call there. Amir Coffey is another Clippers guy. Like, I mean, there, there has to be a limit at some point to how many wings they could accumulate, like share the wealth guys. You've got like <laughs> 10 of them. Uh, so if, I mean, I, the Clippers have expressed confidence that they're going to bring everyone back and given Steve Ballmer's bankroll, I wouldn't be surprised, but yeah, those are some of the names that I think 
probably could be in the $6 million range. Plenty more to unpack with Brian, one of the best minds in the business when it comes to Sixers and the NBA salary cap. But a quick word for our sponsor, and then we will come back with a little bit more about some pie-in-the-sky issues, ways the Sixers could spend as much money as possible, what uh, we think might happen, what Brian's got coming up on the pipeline, and a little bit about Kyrie Irving after this. Uh, Yeah, do you think that there are any um, financial hurdles? Like Daryl Morey last night mentioned that there are some CBA restrictions uh, he did mm-hmm. give shout outs to Josh Harris, David Blitzer a few times saying, you know, they'll allow us to do whatever it takes to make this team a champion. And then he said there are some CBA restrictions, but there are like eight to 12 guys that we're looking at to yeah. try to maybe make this work. Um, so maybe some of those names that you just rattled off, they're already looking at in that eight to 12. Yeah, I, I think what he's referring to is just if they go over the apron, you don't get the 10 million mid-level. You don't get access to the biannual exception, which is going to be 4.1 million. So I think he's basically just saying like, or he's hinting at least like, as of now, we are only going to have 6.4 million to spend beyond minimum deals, but you know, they've got 13 roster spots already accounted for. So it's not like they have a ton of spots they need to fill anyway. The Sixers have paid the luxury tax the last two seasons. Is that correct? Yes. This, yeah, this past season, the, the season before, yeah. So if you were the president of the Sixers or you worked in Daryl Morey's office and you really, really wanted to, let's say you didn't have a ton of job security, you're, you know you're there for 2023, what's the road where they could increase their spend and their title odds the most this season? What would it look like? Would it be not paying the tax mm-hmm. and getting those exceptions? Would it be like we talked about, like obliterating the apron, just going way up somehow? Yeah. Um, I mean, what's the all Harden with summer if Harden was willing to opt out and re-sign for less like the the how you know the lower the better if if um Michael Rubin is gonna like give him a hundred million dollar fanatics deal just or, or like let's rename it somewhere in Tahiti right and it's yeah like, right. Just, is the CEO <laughs> nothing to see here and yeah no no collusion um assuming Harden does pick up the option i like i don't care about the luxury tax like i mean they're gonna have the taxpayer mle anyway the only reason i've been writing about this stuff is because there was a potential path to the 10 million dollar mle but if there's not like just spend the six million dollar one you're you know your bill if you're gonna cry poor go look at the warriors who are gonna spend like 500 million dollars in payroll and luxury tax next year like you're gonna spend 200 million at most like that's just what you need to do to compete for a championship and i know derek bodner of the daily six newsletter has been covering this as well and it's i think you know this is the thing that every front office needs to be mindful of with the sixers especially there are going to be new national television contracts kicking in ahead of the 25 26 season and we don't know whether the NBA and the Players Association will agree to a cap smoothing proposal. They did not the last time that this happened ahead of the 2016-17 season. The cap jumped by $24 million, and that is what enabled the Warriors to sign Kevin Durant in free agency. So from the long-term team building perspective, the most important thing with the Harden deal 
I think you would rather have him on a max for three years than have that contract go into the 25, 26 season. You're going to want to have as much financial flexibility as possible, as much money coming off of the books, uh, either in 23, 24 or 24, 25, because Embiid right now is the only guy under contract for that season. No knock on wood, God willing, Tyrese Maxey will join him uh, after this season, but otherwise, no, you got a, a fresh slate, and that's the time to take advantage of it. Now, if you were Daryl Morey and your contract began in 2020 and goes through 2025, is it possible that your timeline horizon might be a little bit shorter? And the dream summer for you would be James opts out, signs a four or five year deal where he makes $200 million, but only you know $34 million this year. I mm-hmm. can go to my bosses and say, hey, look, let's you guys can save money this year. Do not pay luxury tax. Get me those big exceptions. I just need you to pay James on the back end. But hey, don't worry, there'll be a new TV deal. So his fourth and fifth year won't really be that bad. Right. Yeah. I mean, that is the other consideration. And it's really what is James open to doing? Like if he is willing to take you know, I, I've been saying all offseason, they need to agree on a number of years and a number or amount of money. And then James should just let Daryl structure it however he sees fit that will, you know, allow them to put the best supporting cast around those two guys. I think every team is going to be mindful of this 25, 26 cap spike. And I mean, hell, if the, the two sides don't agree to cap smoothing, like there's a chance that the cap just goes up so exponentially that it doesn't matter how much money every team has on its books. Wow. Like they all might have close to a max deal. Like uh, my my podcast co-host and my Forbes sports colleague, Morton Jensen reported last September, he spoke with a league source who said, you know, if they don't do cap smoothing, the cap could go up to like $171 million that, that off season. And, you know, right now, 22, 23, it's projected to be 122 million. So we could be looking at nearly a $50 million jump in the next three years. So, I mean, I would probably, it's tough. I mean, I don't know. I, I think I would prioritize getting hardened down low enough that you would have the 10 million mid-level and the biannual exception. But if you can't get access to both of them, I would prioritize the three-year deal because I, I just don't know if there's going to be that big of a difference between the guys you can get at 6.4 this year and the guys you can get at 10.3. Yeah, that's fair. If I'm James Harden, I'm, I don't think I care all that much. Obviously I'd rather 270 million, but if I can't get that, I really don't have a problem with like three years, 150 million. And in, in this magical summer of extra money, I'm a free agent. So even if I'm like kind of washed, maybe I could still make 20 million a year. Yeah. <laughs> I'm right. good with that. Right. Um, and I- all he has to do is look at what's happening with Kyrie right now in Brooklyn. And like, you know, James has forced his way off of two teams in the past 18 months, may be showing signs of permanent, permanent decline, or maybe it's just a hamstring. We don't know, but he's probably not going to get, yeah, it very well could be. And he's not getting any younger. So yeah, I mean, I think I would just want to lock in, as much money as I possibly could right now, you know, tack on, if you can get two extra years, cool, man, that's, you know, you don't have to worry about it for a while. Like, I, I don't think you want to play with fire and like, 
you know, if, if negotiations break down because the Sixers aren't giving you a full three-year max and you do like, all right, well, I'm only going to, I'm going to opt in and then become a free agent in 2023. You know, we're seeing with Kyrie, like the market may be more tepid for him than expected. Dude, like James Harden has declined more money over the last 18 months that you just talked about than I <laughs> than so many players combined have ever even been offered. It's right. pretty nuts. If I were him, I think I would be feeling some massive like loss aversion. Like, how could I, you know, have you ever played blackjack yes. and you're like, I got to get back to the $40 I had in front of me an hour. <laughs> <laughs> right. Um, so yeah, a lot of, a lot of moving parts. Um, and you mentioned Kyrie Irving. I, I get terrified of this because as a Sixers fan, I don't want the Sixers to have to compete with any like mega super teams. I am worried that if Joe Sy who's now showing that he might be as much of a wild card as Kyrie Irving is, yeah. but you know, by playing with the type of fire where maybe even Kevin Durant doesn't want to be there and he's mulling his future options. Who knows? What do you, what do you think could happen with Kyrie? Do you think he could like take a huge pay cut to go to Miami or LA? I would be really surprised time permitting. I'm going to write about it this weekend. Um, I like I think I think everyone is bluffing right now. I think the Nets are bluffing. I think Kyrie is bluffing and they're going to most likely meet in the middle to some extent. Maybe they do something similar to Harden where it's like a two or three year deal instead of the full five. Because I I think the Nets are serious that they will not give him a full five year max contract fully guaranteed. And I don't blame them for that, given just everything surrounding Kyrie. Um like, well, what about a max on a three-year deal? Do you think they were willing to offer that? Zach Lowe said, like, they've already made some offers that are not nothing. He doesn't know what they yeah. are, but they're big. Yeah. I I don't know. I mean, I without – this would just be informed speculation. Yeah. Um, I can't say either way for sure. I I would guess the most they're willing to go fully guaranteed is two. And it wouldn't shock me if they just are trying to dare him to pick up his option and say, like, all right prove that you we can rely on you just give us one semi-normal season and we'll pay you next summer we'll give you whatever you want next summer but just like actually playing 50 games or 50 plus games and like don't go AWOL for three weeks um like I I don't buy this whole he'll take a 30 million dollar pay cut and go join the Lakers no I think the one the threat that the Nets have to be the most wary of right now is seeing what the Knicks did on draft night, you know, dumping Kemba Walker's salary, dumping the, uh, the, the number 11 pick. It sounds like they have more salary dump trades lined up because they just got a <laughs> bunch of picks that they could do that for it. Like they're going I don't know after what Jaylen. the conditions are on those picks, but I'm still trying yeah. to figure it out. Oh uh, yeah. They're all lottery protected or, or worse. Um, so they're not going to convey for a while, but like they're supposedly going after Jalen Brunson, but I would imagine if, Kyrie does decline his option and expresses interest in joining the Knicks. They would immediately pivot away from Jalen Brunson because they're the Knicks and, you know, having the opportunity to stick it to the Nets alone might, might be worthwhile to them. But also, I mean, the, the upside of Irving is tantalizing. You can't deny it. It's just like, is your locker room strong enough to deal with, everything else that comes with the Kyrie Irving experience. I don't know how many teams can say that it is, but I'm sure more teams than can say that would be willing to give him a shot because yeah. he is tantalizing. Like you said, there is that, that rumor that I've heard from 
you know, no smoking gun rock solid sources, but plenty of uh, well sourced rumor sources that mm-hmm. he once told, was it Fat Joe in a New York City nightclub? I will never play for James Dolan. And that's how they ended really? up. Yeah, it was like Kevin Durant was open to the Knicks. Kyrie Irving really didn't want to play for the Knicks. And that was basically mm-hmm. why they ended up in Brooklyn. Um, so I don't know if that was never true or if maybe Kyrie has changed his stance based on the way things played out in Brooklyn, but pretty, pretty wild stuff. Um, thank you so much. I know you've, you've mentioned a couple things you have upcoming. What else you got working on and where can people find you? Yeah. Uh, you, thank you for having me on. It's, it was a blast. I'm happy to come back anytime. Um, Please do. Yeah. You, you can find me on Twitter at B Toporek, T-O-P-O-R-E-K. You can find my work, uh, my Sixer stuff at Forbes Sports. Um, I Saturday, I'm going to go finish this up <laughs> right now, actually. I was waiting to write the intro until after the draft. Uh, but I've got $10 million mid-level exception targets coming. And then I think probably Monday, I will publish some mini mid-level $6 million targets. So the, the Daniel House and Amir Coffees of the world for all you true sickos out there. I may not read the $10 million one because I don't want to get my hopes up and then find out. I know. <laughs> I know. I, I like, I regret writing it now, knowing <laughs> what they just did on draft night, but like I've already written it. So I'm going to publish it. Yeah. Brian, thank you so much. Really, really appreciate it. Um, anyone go follow him. I'm trying to get this Topa wrecked trend get picked up. <laughs> if, if you have any of these ideas that will not work out cap wise, Brian will Topa wreck your idea by pointing yes. out there's not enough in the cap. Yeah, come at me with your best Bradley Beal ideas, and I will destroy them. (laughs) All right, thanks so much. Have a great night. Of course, you too, man. More to-dos, less time, and an infinite number of tools to keep track of. Sometimes doing business has never felt harder, but you don't need a miracle to hit your goals. You can just use HubSpot because their all-in-one customer platform can make growing your business infinitely easier. Imagine this, high-quality leads, fast-closing deals, wildly happy customers, and more benchmark-breaking quarters. It's not a miracle. It's HubSpot. Visit HubSpot.com to get started today. Support for this show comes from Fundrise. Buy low, sell high. It's easy to say, hard to do. For example, high interest rates are crushing the real estate market right now. Demand is dropping and prices are falling, even for many of the best assets. It's no wonder the Fundrise flagship fund plans to go on a buying spree, expanding its billion-dollar real estate portfolio over the next few months. You can add the Fundrise flagship fund to your portfolio in just minutes and with as little as $10 by visiting Fundrise.com Fox. Carefully consider the investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses of the Fundrise flagship fund before investing. This and other information can be found in the fund's prospectus at Fundrise.com flagship. This is a paid advertisement.